This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, people, it is that time. It is that music. Yes, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. You know that music if you listen to the show. Haven't been able to hear it the last couple of weeks. But no, if you listen to the show, you know that means that it is time for what I learned this week on TikTok. I, as a 52-year-old man, spend way too much time on that TikTok app. But it's because I learned so much. I learned more on that than I did in high school. I might say something about my study habits in high school, but still. I learned so much, and I've been on vacation for the last two weeks. So what we do here, I will uh, quiz whoever is working on the show. Today it's Chantel, along with uh, Jacob. I'll give them four pieces of information, and you can play along at home. Three of the pieces of information completely made up. One of the, one of the things I did actually learn on TikTok, and you have to kind of decipher which is which. It's a very simple game. We play it every Saturday here. Jacob is a huge fan. So between the two of you, who is batting leadoff today? Oh, it'll be me. Oh, okay, fun. All right, here we go, Jacob. Jacob's really looking forward to this. Number one, the crime duo of Bonnie and Clyde were caught in part because of their love of the Three Stooges. Number two, Fort Knox is so secret that no U.S. presidents have ever been there. Number three, Germany is so safe they actually import criminals to fill their jails. Or number four, theoretically, you could dig a hole to China, but you'd have to start in Argentina. So to recap for Jacob, as he kind of puts his thoughts together there. Number one, the crime duo of Bonnie and Clyde were caught in part because of their love of the Three Stooges. Number two, Fort Knox is so secret that no U.S. president has ever been there. Number three, Germany is so safe they actually import criminals. Or or number four, theoretically, you could dig a hole to China, but you'd have to start in Argentina. Wow. Um, we have until 7 o'clock tonight, Jacob. Uh, so whenever you want to get started here, my friend, well, uh, fire away. I'm definitely rusty. And... and and you weren't all that sharp to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a little harder, though. Uh, yeah, this is a good one. What are you thinking? I'm thinking uh, maybe. Which ones do you think it definitely is not? Let's put it that way. Okay, so I, I don't think it's dig from Argentina to get the okay. China. I don't All right, cross that, that off. Okay. I'm thinking it's... I was thinking originally Bonnie and Clyde, but then the Germany one came up. So I'm going to go with Germany first. Germany. Germany yes. is so safe they actually import criminals to fill their jails. Yes. Lock well, it in? Lock it in. No, you're as, you're as good as ever. No, that's incorrect. That is uh, The Netherlands actually does import criminals. Germany, though, no, not so much. Well, I mean, I'm, at least I'm on the right path, man. Yeah, it was a country, absolutely. That's uh, that's fair. Number two, uh, you want to go uh, double I'm, or nothing here? What are you, where are you looking now? I'm going Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. The crime duo of Bonnie and Clyde were caught in part because of their love of the Three Stooges. Jacob, lock it in. Lock it in. No, that's also incorrect. Wow. So, didn't want to get your hopes up there, but I did. Uh, no, cross that one off. No, that one that one I've just completely made up. I don't even know if the Bonnie and Clyde were uh, around when the Three Stooges were around. It just sounded good in my head. Okay. It sounded believable. 
So uh, the one. So I now cro- you're down to uh, Fort Knox is so secret, no U.S. presidents have been there. Or the only thing you've crossed off the list so far uh, that you theoretically could dig a hole to China, but you'd have to start in Argentina. Okay, so I'm going to go with Fort Knox. Fort Knox. Yes, locked sir. in? Locked in. Jacob is as good as a... He, I could be away for a month. No, that is also incorrect, my friend. No, theoretically, you could dig a hole to China, but you'd have to start in Argentina. You could also, they said, maybe start in Chile, but uh, no, it'd have to. It would, you'd have to start in Argentina. That's the only way, because it's the polar opposite. So. And I, I'm famous for this, just crossing it out and it ends up being <laughs> That percentage is very, very high. That's like uh, Steph Curry at the foul line. All right, Chantel. Well, things have been made easier for you in some respects because of uh, Jacob's performance. You can't do any worse than that unless you come up with one on your own. Right. (laughs) Uh, Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. Number one, a bear that fought with the Polish army in World War II was promoted to the rank of corporal. Number two, for a good amount of the year, the Sahara Desert actually has more snow than sand. Number three, MRIs of cat brains show they see humans as prey. Or number four, Edgar Allan Poe, the author, is credited with the first use of the word or the term fuddy-duddy. So to recap again, number one, a bear that fought with the Polish army in World War II was promoted to the rank of corporal. Number two, for a good amount of the year, the Sahara Desert actually has more snow than sand. Number three, MRIs of cat brains show that uh, they see humans as prey. Or number four, Edgar Allan Poe, credited with the first use of the term fuddy-duddy. Wow. Lots to take in there. Wide ranging. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> some animals, some locations, yeah. some authors. Funny enough, I do think that cats do see us as prey. Like, I think my cat would eat me if... If, if given the chance. If given the chance. Oh, yeah, for sure. But um, the bear being promoted, mm-hmm. that sounds so familiar. And it sounds like something humans would do. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to lock that one in. You're going to lock that one in? Yeah. Yes, that is correct, Chantel. Very good. Have I used that one before? It kind of felt like I used that one before no, when I was writing it. I mentioned that one probably like a couple weeks ago. Did you? Okay, so I screwed up. All right. Well, that's on me. But look, uh, you take you know the, the, you take advantage of the uh, the opportunity given to you. So Chantel, very good job, excellent job. Thank and, you. and Jacob is now kicking himself for going first because he could have had that nice easy one. Well, I got one more. Oh, uh, you can both team up on this one. Uh, here we go. Number one, the whoopee cushion was invented by a Roman emperor who was killed at the age of 18. Number two, the ampersand, the ansang, you know what I'm talking about, the ampersand, uh, was once considered the 27th letter of the alphabet. Number three, cheese existed before written language. Or number four, some flowers can hear bees approaching and respond by making sweeter nectar. So again, to recap, number one, the whoopee cushion invented by a Roman emperor who was uh, killed at the age of 18. Number two, the ampersand was once considered the 27th letter of the alphabet. Number three, cheese existed before written language. Or number four, some flowers can hear bees approaching and actually respond by making sweeter nectar. Okay. 
so we can't come to an agreement as that's, per that's usual. That's good. You should not. No, you should you should split up. Yeah. And especially for you, Chantel, you don't want to be anywhere near Jake. Whatever he says is wrong, you go with right. He's like uh, George Casanza when he was uh, doing the opposite. <laughs> right. So, you know, I was thinking about the flowers mm -hmm. uh, can hear the bees because I do believe they could. Mm -hmm. But now I'm starting to think that it's the cheese one because cheese was probably rotting a lot longer than words were made. So I'm going to okay. lock that one in. You're going to lock in cheese existed before written language. Jacob? That's the one I was actually going to go oh, with. Oh, don't, don't, don't go down this road. I switched up last minute, so. Oh, okay. Um, do you want to stick with Chantel or do you want to go something different? I'm just going to stick with my gut because why not? All right. That gut has not exactly <laughs> served you well, my friend. I mean, I'm a little hungry though, too, so. All right. We will lock it in for both of you, and I will say this. For the first time ever, both of you are correct, but they're oh! all correct. No matter where you went, all those four things were true. I did not have any false ones in that mix. So all four of those are absolutely true. The whoopee cushion was invented by a Roman emperor. Apparently somebody didn't like his jokes because he was killed at the age of 18. A ampersand was originally considered the 27th letter of the alphabet. Cheese existed before written language. And yes, even some flowers can hear bees approaching and respond by making sweeter... See, I wanted to, uh, to, to, to ease you back into the groove of what I learned on TikTok by having a nice, easy one. So did that make you feel better? No, I mean, Chantel goes two for two. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly because I can't even remember anymore what I've written before. <laughs> the things I learn on TikTok, I forget, and then I learn them again. I mean, I walked into a car crash, though. So. Well. That's I, all right. I like but, that you change up the strategy. See that? I like that as well. And yeah. uh, that, my friends, is what I have learned this week on TikTok. And now because of this segment, you have learned it too. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Again, I don't know why I'm giving out the phone number because coming up next, we'll talk some giants with Jordan Renan, who covers them for ESPN. Of course, Big Blue, Pod uh, Big Blue Podcast, Breaking Big Blue Podcast. I can't even remember the names of the podcast. I can't remember what I learned on TikTok. I can't remember the names of the guests. It's all falling apart here. We'll regroup on the Gordon Damer Show. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Jordan Ronan, who is uh, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes here, covers the Giants for ESPN, has the Breaking Big Blue podcast as well. Jordan, thanks uh, for joining us. You got it, Gordon, anytime. I mean, uh, the relevant topic these days, huh, with Saquon Barkley and most notably... Daniel Jones uh, about to be free agents if they don't have deals or tags soon. Yeah, I, I mean, Seinfeld had the summer of George. It feels like it's the winter or the spring of Daniel. Every day with Daniel Jones, yeah. who's not a guy who uh, yep. you know necessarily uh, looks for the spotlight, but he has found the spotlight a lot uh, this offseason. So where are things at with the quarterback and trying to work out a long-term deal? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Giants, Jones' representatives, they're in Indianapolis this week for the combine, an opportunity to get face-to-face, -face, meeting just about every day, every night, uh, trying to hammer something out. The Giants are motivated to get a long-term deal done, right? They don't preferably want to have to use the franchise tag because $32.4 million straight on the salary cap then limits the ability for them to put a team around Daniel Jones, right? And we saw that was a problem this year that the team around him wasn't good enough. So they've made progress. Uh, that has been pretty clear throughout this week. I don't think it's unreasonable at this point to think that they could have a deal done by Tuesday, the deadline for the franchise tag. And if they don't, Gordon, it could just be a, pl a 
a temporary placeholder, right? Let's say they're fairly close. You know, it needs another week to get done. They have that week to get it done, right? And uh, really, you they have a lot of time before you could sign a long-term deal. Now, they would like to get it done before the start of free agency, though, because it does have after effects, and it could determine whether Saquon Barkley ends up coming back or not as well. So um, I think they're in a better spot now. I feel confident they're in a better spot now than they were several weeks ago. Why are you more confident now? Just because the two sides are moving together? Because, you know, just from the outside, you hear these reports, 40 million, 45 million. It, doesn't, it almost feels like they're getting further away, but you think it's getting closer. Why, why do you feel that way? No, I think they've gotten closer. Like, they, they, look, they're not, they're not meeting every day, right? Uh, they're not going out to dinner with his agents uh, and going backwards, right? They're obviously making some progress and getting closer. So I, th- I, I think people are just it's, are shocked by the sticker price. Like, you just didn't expect that from Daniel Jones, right? Like, one good year. But quarterbacks, I mean, we learn it over and over. Gordon, it's like – it's like our fault. And I'm like, I'm guilty of it too. I didn't think it was going to be over 40. And now it looks like that number likely will end up over 40, you know, per year. Like how, how many times do we need to see it before we learn, right? These quarterbacks get paid. Like that's, that's how it works. Like we shouldn't be shocked, but yet we are every single time. It's like, you want us, I want to smack myself and say, he's a quarterback who played really well in the NFL. Of course he's going to get paid. Are you surprised though, that it's been this drawn out? Uh, maybe a little bit. I didn't, I actually expect Jones the number to start so high. So I think that's kind of, there was a bigger gap than, uh, I anticipated probably. Uh, but you know, I, I think ultimately it was always March 7th was, it was sort of the deadline. And so I don't think it's taken longer than I expected because that's really when deals get done. Right when there is a deadline, especially if there is a gap. So once Jones starts with a really high number, which it sounds like he did, uh, and the Giants really don't want to go there, right? They want to be able to build a team around him, and uh, so that then it takes a little bit longer. But always to me, it was March seven. Now, if you tell me they're not done by the franchise tag deadline and they're going up right up until free agency, then I believe that's longer than I expected because that's what the Giants don't want. They want to be able to have a plan have a plan in place and get ready to execute it immediately when free agency comes around to have that Daniel Jones deal hanging over their head still at that point, that would be problematic. We're talking with Jordan Ronan, of course, who covers the, the New York Giants for us here on ESPN. So that, that's the first question of a big offseason for the Giants, the quarterback, what ends up happening yeah. there. The second one, which is you know basically right along with number one almost, is what this means for Saquon Barkley. If they do get a contract done with Daniel, obviously that leaves them the franchise tag for Saquon. What do you think it means if they don't get a, uh, a contract done and they need the franchise tag on the quarterback? It means that Saquon Barkley can hit the open market, right? That's what, exactly what it means, and there's no reason for him not to do that and see what's out there for him and see what the market is for him. Now, when you talk to people around the league, the in, people in Indianapolis this week, what they say is, and I've heard it from a lot of people, Saquon Barkley is more valuable to the Giants than he is to any other team. Now, we'll ultimately see if he hits free agency what he would get on the open market, but I'm not so sure it would be this, you know, huge 
you know, eye-opening number where that somebody wants who like who's offering him Christian McCaffrey money? Like, is that even out there for him? I would kind of be surprised. Now there would be a good a good market out there for him. Somebody would be wanting to make that move because he's a very very talented player and can help a lot of teams. But uh, I think what you also when you mentioned before, if they sign Daniel Jones to a long-term deal, then they have the franchise tag. Well, at that point, if you're Saquon Barkley, right, you, you just mentioned the franchise tag, and, yeah, that's great for the Giants, $10.1 million on one year. That's, that's bad for Saquon too, right? So if you're Saquon Barkley in that situation and you know that's your future, that deal that the Giants had on the table now all of a sudden looks a lot better when the alternative is $10.1 million. So I think – it's possible we, they could end up, if Daniel Jones gets done, having two long-term deals done pretty quickly between those two guys. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I said that the, the, the franchise tag, it, it's great financially for the Giants, but is there an aspect of that? Here's Saquon, who, who does everything right off the field. He seems to be a team leader. He's a, I think he's a team captain. Is there, some, is there an aspect of this for the organization and especially for the players in the locker room that they have to see a guy like that get rewarded and not just be kind of stuck with the franchise tag and, and $10 million just because it's a good financial deal for the team? I think it's something you definitely have to think about if you're the team. Now I get it. Joe Shane seems very businesslike, but I think it's still something he's going to consider. An unhappy Saquon Barkley, how good is that for the team, right? Because he will not be happy if he has to play on that franchise tag. Uh, and then who knows what that means, like what he would do about that. You know, he could decide, hey, I'm not showing up to the spring. I'm not saying he will. I don't know this. Or I might not show up in the summer for training camp. Like, these are all options that could be on the table because uh, he's looking for that long-term deal now. It's important to remember in this situation that the Giants did have an offer on the on the table, and it was not a terrible offer. I, you know, I had sources who told me uh, you're looking in the twelve million dollar range. It had some upside to get you know even higher, twelve and a half, maybe close to thirteen, something like that. So this isn't an awful alternative. So I think ultimately the two sides would be able to avoid that situation because it is not ideal for the Giants to do that and have that and have the players in the locker room say, hey, look, Saquon Barkley did everything they asked. He went through all the bad times with his team, and then when it came down to it, they didn't want to pay him. That doesn't that, – that could be a bad look in the locker room. Like, hey, if they're not going to pay Saquon Barkley, are they really going to pay me? So you really don't want that kind of permeating throughout the locker room. We're talking with Jordan Ronan about uh, the New York Giants uh, and obviously all the big uh, moves still to come here with free agency right around the corner. Uh, I have to be honest, Jordan, I'm a little, I guess maybe I shouldn't be, but in terms of roster building, running back is not really a position that a lot of teams, you mentioned it before, you know, is there a big deal out there for Saquon Barkley someplace? In terms of roster building yeah. and Joe Shane's time with the Bills, that was not really a position that they invested a lot of money in. Are you surprised at all that really from the start, it always has kind of felt like the Giants are going to bring back Saquon Barkley at some price? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's Joe Shane's preference to build a team like that, but it's what he has, right? I think at this point you have to look at it as offensive playmakers, right, as a whole. Okay, what do we have? He's our, you know, he's our best offensive playmaker. So now getting rid of your best offensive playmaker, if that were the way he decided to go, then you, have, you really have to build up the, uh, the rest of the, the team, right? Tight end, 
receiver, wherever, you need to find some high-end playmakers. Uh, so it's not ideal. It's kind of like they're in a tough spot because I think it's really that way with Jones and Barkley because Jones is like he's not a slam dunk, you know, all pro, pro ball quarterback at all. And, like, that's ultimately when you want to build a team. You want to build a team with Josh Allen, right, mm-hmm. and then great playmakers like Stephon Diggs on the outside. But Joe Shane already had these existing pieces here, right? You don't really want to let good players walk because they need to add good players to the core. And so, yeah, I think it's not ideal for what he would prefer in an ideal world, but it's what he has, and they're trying to make the best of it at this point and build a team around that. I don't think they're ultimately building a team around a running back because even if Saquon Barkley signs a long-term deal, the likelihood is it's only guaranteed for two years, and then you can move on. So uh, it's, it's, it's more because that's what they have now personnel-wise, I think, that they have to, they're kind of stuck into, all right, this is one of our best options right here to bring him back for more. How aggressive do you think Joe Shane will be in adding a veteran wide receiver? It doesn't really seem like there's a great list in free agency. So how aggressive do you think that a trade might be on the radar for Joe Shane? I think he'll look into it. Uh, who is the guy though? Like where yeah. are these guys? I don't, I think it's just, it's a tough year to do it. You know, I, and yeah, I think he will look around for sure. He's going to look at all options. Like what's out there. You know, wh- how good are they? Not just for this year. You can't just look at it that short-sighted. They have to look at it, okay. We're they're, they're still trying to build a team that legitimately can compete, in like for a championship. I'm talking about right in like two, three years still, right? I don't. They're they're not just saying okay, we need to load up this team so we can compete right now. So it can't be a guy. Is my point that you know is is a real short-term solution. So I'm not sure that it's out there. One thing that I did hear uh, from people at the Combine was that an option that the Giants may explore is, okay, we're looking to add playmakers and receivers. But a receiver doesn't necessarily need to be be a wide receiver, right? So bolstering the tight end position with a pass-catching tight end to add to Daniel Bellinger I think is one of the solutions that they may have to be able to get by this season if they can't get that number one receiver because that number one receiver ultimately may not be out there. Now, maybe they end up drafting that guy, but to expect that from that guy at the 25th pick or a second-round pick in, the, in, you know, in year one, that's unrealistic, isn't it? Yeah, I, and, and it's kind of strange as well because, right, you bring back Daniel Jones, you want to do that. You bring back Saquon Barkley, you want to do that. But that's just keeping the same team as you had, and we all said during the season, boy, it's amazing what Daniel Jones has been able to do without any real weapons. Imagine what's going to happen when he gets weapons. It almost kind of pushes more pressure on you to go find some other weapon, be it a tight end, be it a wide receiver, because all you've done, even by bringing back those two guys, is just keep what you already have. I think it's almost like a two-year proposition, though, because of what the market is for that position this year. We're talking with Jordan Run-On here on uh, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. All right, so you're back from the Combine was there, uh, you know, outside of what you were saying about with the receiver, was there something else? What was the major takeaway for you in terms of the Giants? Because, you know, the combine is kind of like the start of free agency. It's kind of looking ahead. It's no longer looking behind. What was the one thing that jumped out to you, if, if you have something? It sure sounds like the Giants are 
extremely interested in getting uh, in the inside linebacker market. So they basically have two open spots at inside linebacker, right? They don't have a starter that kind of penciled in at either spot right now. I would expect them to get one of the higher-end inside linebackers in free agency and then even get a draft another guy, right, a, a younger player uh, at that position. So I think that might be one of their bigger off-season acquisitions here in free agency is inside linebacker. Whether we're talking about, you know, starting at the top as Tremaine Edmonds might be too expensive. Guys like T.J. Edwards, uh, Drew Tranquil, uh, Cole Holcomb, I mean, they're going to add one of these guys because they need a veteran inside linebacker on this roster. So that kind of caught my attention. And Joe Shane has said it so many times. Like it's almost like it's his number one priority this offseason. And, of course, it's not because you're talking about the quarterback being up, up, you know, up for free agency. But he keeps saying defensive line depth, defensive line depth, defensive line depth, like, they know they need to add a bunch of bodies on the defensive line. Not add my bodies. I mean, they need to add players, like real contributing players, so they have depth at that position. You can't have guys like Dexter Lawrence and Larry Williams playing 90% of the snaps as an interior lineman all the time. That's just not sustainable. So they're going to add to the defensive line, not sexy. They're going to be like, you know, lower-end kind of guys, three, four million type guys, just like good veteran contributing players, uh, but they might add, add multiple players with that ilk. Uh, it's funny you mentioned those two guys, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, because uh, those are the two guys I've listed on my uh, list here. Uh, how much do you expect something in terms of contract uh, getting done with e- either or both of those players to, to kind of set up the Giants a little bit more uh, for free agency this year in terms of their contract numbers? Yeah, I don't Dexter Lawrence is one that I think they're they're you know going to talk about and address, and I, but I don't expect that to be like something that's imminent, like that you have to do before free agency. That's something maybe that we'll see later on down the line, spring, summer, who knows, something like that. Leonard Williams is one I still scratch my head. I'm not so sure what the Giants plan on doing. I mean, one of the options there. I do believe could be letting Leonard Williams walk. I don't think that's crazy, even though they like him. I think they would like to keep him, but what's the solution? they got to come up with one, uh, like if they want it, add numbers there, I think. But it all depends, you know, on Daniel Jones, the franchise tag, where they have to use it, Saquon Barkley, what they're able to make these numbers, right? Because – if they could keep some of these other numbers of Jones and Barkley down this year, it lets you spend money at other positions. And as Joe Shane said, if they have to have Daniel Jones like on the franchise tag, all of a sudden what it does is in free agency, it knocks down the tier of player you can get at other positions, right? Like, as we mentioned before, middle linebacker. All of a sudden, instead of you know looking at the higher end of middle linebacker, now you're looking at middle of the pack of free agent middle linebackers. So I think – that also factors into the Leonard Williams situation as well. Jordan, thanks for uh, giving us some time. And uh, as I said, it's the summer of Daniel, so or the, at least the spring of Daniel. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Daniel Jones and the Giants uh, again pretty soon. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm sure you will. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 
I did want to hit on some baseball stuff. Uh, Yank, one thing Yankee related, and then one thing uh, about the all the rule changes this year, which I'm sure is going to be a hot topic when the baseball season does open up. Even though we've been kind of talking about it with the pitch clock and everything else. Look, you can feel however you want about uh, baseball changing the rules, and, and generally, when they have changed the rules, they've been terrible uh, changes. If you don't like the pitch clock, you just don't li- you just don't want to like anything because there's no downside to the pitch clock. It would be great if they had been able to do it without actually instituting a clock where you get a guy in the box, he stays in the box, he doesn't leave the box, and every at-bat doesn't take forever. But that is not the case. So we've always talked about ways where baseball has to make improvements. This one... You never want to say it definitively, but it looks like this one is going to be an absolute home run. Now, I'm not crazy about I saw some video, I think it was the Met game, where like the crowd was trying to, to fake out the batter about the pitch clock, about like counting down the wrong number. I, it, look, there's going to be things that pop up. But if this is able to eliminate 20 to 30 minutes of dead time during games then that is an absolute, not even just a home run, it's a grand slam. That, is, that has been so desperately needed. Now, the truth, te- we, they almost have to test it out in real uh, warlike conditions of a Yankee-Red Sox game, but the Red Sox and Yankees aren't what they used to be. But that would have been the real true test because those things would take forever. But uh, I, if you don't, I, I can find reasons that you don't like some of the new, you know, like the larger bases, is that really going to make any difference? I like the the banning of the shift, but it's more of uh, uh, of an aesthetic thing. I don't like to see three guys on the one side. I don't think it's going to have the impact that people think it does. I think that actually rewards the lefty pull hitters more than it's going to all of a sudden raise batting averages across the board. So there's there's little things to nitpick at, and if you want to nitpick at them, okay, fine. The limiting the throws to first base, that's not why games are taking forever. It's because guys don't get in the box and stay in the box. And now they're going to have to do that. And and there's no more, there's been an edict, there's been a a, a memo passed around for, for umpires to focus on. They tried that like 10 years ago. It lasted, I don't even know if it lasted a week. And then everybody just went back to the, because people are stubborn stubborn, and, and baseball, I mean, come on, baseball is super stubborn. Umpires are stubborn. Players are stubborn. So now, you know what? We'll take it out of your hands. Now stand in the box, get things going. And I think that that has some, some side effects, whereas relievers, pitchers in general, they're not going to be able to gear up every single pitch and throw as hard as they've been throwing here the last five, 10 years. So maybe that might you know, bring down velocity some, might open up things to more contact where it has not been the case there the last five, 10 years. So if you don't like the pitch clock, if you're going out of your way to find, and I really haven't seen anybody that hasn't liked it outside of just saying, oh, there's no, there's no clock in baseball. You know what? They needed a clock. It's about time they had a clock because it's been ridiculous how long games have gone on. And you can cut, you can cut out 30 minutes of, of, of wasted time in any sport, I don't know why you would be against that. The second thing is to Yankee fans, I would just tell you right now, get it out of your head. Don't start expecting that Anthony Volpe is going to be on the opening green roster. There's no shot. 
I don't care how, how he's been great in spring training. He hit three, he's hitting like over 300. He's slugging over 600. I saw the other day he was making plays at shortstop. He looked great. Uh, I can't wait to hear what the excuse is for why he is not on the opening day roster. But don't don't fool yourself to think that they're going to – it doesn't matter what he does in spring training almost. And it does look like he's far more ready than a guy that's played, what was it, 20 games in, at AAA? But there, I would be, as talking about shocked, I would be stunned if Anthony Volpe is part of the opening day roster. And I can't wait to hear, well, you know, spring training stats aren't all we base things on. You know, IKF had a really good winter. IKF, I, 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 can you imagine opening day? It can't be, right? It can't be that we get to opening day and IKF is at shortstop. Aaron Hicks is in left field, and Josh Donaldson's at third. We can't, it can't, it can't be that, right? It cannot be that. I get the feeling it's going to be that, though. I can't wait for them to squeeze IKF into the outfield. Why are you squeezing him into the outfield? Why are you finding bats for him in the outfield? I thought he was a gold, he was one of the premier defensive shortstops. That's what you told us last year. Why would you have to move him off a shortstop if he's that outstanding? Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone. Lonnie is on Long Island. Lonnie is next up on the Gordon Damer Show. No, good. How are you, sir? I'm good, Lonnie. What's going on, pal? All right, good. I got a couple of things. A couple of things to give me time. Sure. One one thing um, about my Jets. Yeah. I'm liking, hey, I want to get a veteran in there because we need a veteran. If Cara, uh, we can't get my that bad man from Green Bay. Listen, I, I was liking that kid, Quentin Richardson, out of uh, Florida. Yeah, I saw Anthony the combine, and he looked, oh, man, he looks pretty good. And he's big and strong. Don't have he's to worry about strong. him getting hurt. Yeah, he's, his numbers jumped. I was watching some video of him at the combine. Uh, you know, they're comparing him to um, to Cam Newton or, or Dante Culpepper. He certainly does have some skills. Yeah. That's no question. Yes, I wouldn't mind getting him. I wouldn't mind getting him. And and now, one thing on the Yankees, my Yankees. Listen, I don't care what they do. We got to upgrade at third base. Donaldson just let me down. He cannot hit anymore. He swings that stuff, puts out of the strike zone. We don't need no more strikeout hitters in that lineup. We need contact. So we need to get a third baseman. Well, Lonnie, and thanks for the phone call. Um, I think that how it's going to work out, they'll, they'll give Donaldson, I'm sure that he's going to get some run at, at third base because they're locked into him and there's nothing that they can do. to. Nobody's calling for, for Josh Donaldson, so they'll run him out there at the beginning of the season. But with uh, DJ LeMayhew back and now healthy, he's going to be your leadoff hitter on most days. So if he's not playing second base or if you want to get Glaber in the lineup when you want to get Glaber in the lineup he's going to play second base and LeMahieu is going to play third so I, I don't think it's going to be the type of thing where they're going to rely on Donaldson now look you and I both agree uh, I felt this way when they made that trade I thought it was a terrible trade at the time it turned out to be even yes. worse than I thought uh, but I think that if LeMay as long as LeMahieu is healthy he is and really he's your only leadoff hitter who else would you have bat leadoff for the Yankees if it's not him and if Volpe does get sent down no, well, Volpe. If they're probably going to send him down, oh, most absolutely. likely. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't think that there's any question. Now, hopefully, he's up here before too long. But they're they're not going to. I'd be stunned if they start the season. With no, they're not going to mess around with him. They want him shot, uh, to start. Yes, 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 yes. 
All right, Lonnie, I can't wait for the call. Um, yeah, in terms of yeah, the rookie make... quarterback, what do you got? Oh, I got rid of him. Sorry. Um, in terms of the rookie quarterback, the, the, whoever it is could look amazing. The Jets can't go the rookie quarterback route again. They they screwed that up royally the first time. You can't have any trust in them to get it right a second time, especially when this is like Stone calls Steve Austin. The, that's the bottom line. This is the bottom line year for the Jets. They have to make the playoffs. It's not about three years from now. It's not about developing a, a quarterback over time. It's about this year. Who is the guy you can bring in here that gives you the best chance to make the playoffs, if not get you further into the playoffs? I think that that's Aaron Rodgers. It certainly seems like it's lined up that way. But at the end of the day, it's not really up to the Jets of whether or not they want Aaron Rodgers. That much is clear. They already do. Uh, it's more a question of does Aaron Rodgers want to come to the Jets and nothing that he has done so far would make me think that he does. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.